This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our show in which we invite some of the guests on the Arsenal sphere to have a chat about our beloved club, about all the happenings that are going on right now. And uh, I'm joined by a couple of fantastic guests to talk that through. Before we jump into introducing those, though, please, please do drop a like on the video and please subscribe to the channel. I know uh, it's been uh, a pain not having Arsenal about, but hopefully these shows have been some kind of relief uh, or not. Maybe it's made your life worse i hope it hasn't um but uh, i'm hoping you're enjoying the content and that you are dropping likes and subscriptions onto the channel as well let's introduce to you though our guest first of all returning it's owen how you doing mate you good joel i'm good buddy i'm good it's uh, just funny backstage we're laughing because i wasn't even sure whether my microphone still worked it's been that long since i've done a podcast yeah you know, it, it, as, as you know at the gunners podcast we hold the record for i think probably the longest arsenal podcast in history which is a 24-hour podcast that we did for mm. gunners free cancer but now we're trying to set the record of the longest time going without doing a podcast <laughs> so it's yeah on. it's uh you, you will struggle to beat john on the arsenal miami podcast to be fair <laughs> uh, he holds the record quite strongly for not doing a podcast for like the best part of what three years now so uh yeah, yeah, yeah it's, the- it's gonna take some time but no i hear that mike wants to start things up again uh this summer <laughs> so hopefully uh tgp will be back very soon indeed we're also joined by abby how are you doing abby you good you well yeah overworked and underpaid mate Oh well, but I wouldn't have uh, it any other way. I don't think. <laughs> reminds me of teaching. That's what that yeah. does. Reminds me of teaching, indeed. Um, no, it's great to have the show. How's things been since we last chatted? I think last time was was well ahead before the end of the season, and we were optimistic about getting top four, and it didn't end up happening. So uh, yeah, how have we, we we was optimistic about. Well, I was optimistic optimistic about Granite Xhaka uh, beating mm. Tottenham, and uh, yeah, getting top four, and Arteta as well. So three out three out of four ain't bad, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah all good. good. Getting married soon, so... Um, nice, congratulations. Thanks very much. It's really soon as well. I, I'm not ready. When is it? <laughs> what month is it? August. Yeah, same. Same. We both, both <laughs> get married in August, so yeah, lovely stuff. And Owen, are you, have you already got married? You, I know you've had a child, but nah. uh, is it on the plans? Mate, I've got Am a house. pressuring and, you now? Is she watching? Uh, a house and two kids and stuff <laughs> like that. No, I'm actually torturing her. No. Uh, no, we've been engaged for seven years, which is, there's a movie called The Seven Year Engagement. So uh, our of aim has course. been to break that to eight years. So we'll see. <laughs> and then make a film uh, and, I'm, you know, usurp it. I'm stuck. I'm stuck anyway. Two two children and a house. I'm, I'm, I'm more than committed. Uh, oh, and we made it to 11 years of engagement and then decided to get married. Well, there so, you go. I'll tell the missus 12 years is the target now. Yeah. <laughs> in fairness, I mean, me and you have been together, what, 10 years in November. So it's pretty close as well, though. Engagement's only lasted less than two. So uh, mm-hmm. I can't join you both on that front. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Colleen was supposed to join us. Uh, her train back from London has been cancelled, unfortunately. So uh, she may join us halfway through the show, um, but she sends her best and hopefully we'll get Colleen back on another show in the future. But uh, we are more than making up with the Arsenal fandom that we've got on the channel today. And we're going to kick off with of course the magical world of transfers uh, where else can you start Owen, are you putting your hair out already at the transfer window in mm-hmm. arsenal's transfer links no and you you can definitely back me up on this point very early on i i asked you when the when the international break ended and and i think it's the 14th of june so that's I'll, england's I'll, last game but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I, i'll be completely honest with you recently I think definitely after Christmas, since then, last season, I've made an active effort to really not get so drawn in and not be so nitpicky, nitpicky with literally every single 
bit of Arsenal gossip that goes about. And and the reality mm. is, with the transfer window, a conclusion that I've come to is that uh, a lot of the panic and a lot of the the negative atmosphere and a lot of the agendas are driven by people who aren't even inside the club. And I'm sorry to take pot shots at uh, the journalists of the world, Tom, as I know you're you're one of the good ones. <laughs> but the truth is, is that a lot of these stories um, are sort of fabricated and, and pushed out um, from absolutely nowhere. And it sets the Arsenal fan base alight. So I've really sort of taken um, the time to take a step back and, and just leave the business to the people who are paid to do that. Mm, which is, of course, they do, and, and Arteta, who have faced scrutiny. I've left a poll, actually, in the chat box for you guys to to have a tackle at. Uh, the question being, will Edu succeed for Arsenal this summer? The options are yes, but only with recruitment. The other answers being yes in both buys and sales. And finally, no, the window will fail completely. Thankfully, uh, more than 60, nearly 70, I think, percent of you guys are already uh, selecting the first two options. But 24% do think that we are going to fail this window. Are you surprised by that many already voting on a no there, Abby? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, he's been, he's been with us, what, uh, you know, three years and spent 300 million. Uh, and yeah, I know we've got some gems out of that, but yeah, it's, it's a two-way streak, isn't it? Um, you know, the outgoings have been considerably worse than the incomings. Um, I loved what we did last season. Um, I loved um, the Gabriel Magalia signing and the Partey signing uh, prior to that. But I, I think pretty much everything else has not been great. Okay. However, you know, three seasons, 300 million. Gosh, if I had 300 million, what would I spend it on? <laughs> a, w- a wedding, apparently. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> a wedding. <laughs> if I can jump in there, I actually think that, look, I maybe take a slightly different stance than Abby, and and that's one that uh, there's excuses, and and I will call them well, maybe not excuses are a bad word, but there's reasons and and contributing factors into why things have been the way they have been, and that's the the truth is when people make the comparisons, let's say between Tottenham and Arsenal, the truth is is that that it needed a reshuffle at Tottenham, it needed a rebuild at Arsenal. There was yeah. such a bad culture there that instead of redecorating the house, we literally had to knock the entire thing down and start from the foundations right up. And the truth is, is that whilst there have been some excuses, like I mentioned, there are contributing factors, things like setting a new culture at the club, which I think Mikel Arteta and Edu have both done really well in. They've sprinkled young talent throughout the squad, which is where very, very good, giving us some sense of longevity and stability for the future. Um, and in, in terms of sales, we're seeing that now, you know, where really the Premier League is the only league in in the world, essentially, with any money. You know, you're looking at some of those internal deals through European football and clubs like Juventus, like Real Madrid, clubs like these, big powerhouse of clubs, don't have money to spend 30 and 40 million on players, which is insane. If you had said that a few years ago, oh, you're on mute, Tom. Thank God I have my own time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, Real Madrid, in fairness, have just spent 100 million euros on Chua but yeah, other but than where, them, I just didn't they, want yeah. you to, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah, going. Where are they that? yeah anyway, um, <laughs> but, but what I will say is that this has all been part of the project and all part of the plan, which I can sympathize with. But mm. what I will say is that they have said on numerous occasions that their that their plan was reset the culture, bring in young talent, and then sprinkle it with world class talent. And with the yeah. names that we're now being linked with, Gabriel Jesus, Yuri Tielemans, Zinchenko, there's a really high precedent that this club is, set, is starting to set with these links that are being put out. And if the links are being put out by the club or whatever it is, it's very dangerous because if it doesn't work this season, if it doesn't work this transfer window, they're setting themselves up for a public execution because yeah. if it goes wrong this season, there's no hiding place, no more excuses for, for the management structure in general. Yeah. yeah, I think that when it comes down to Edu's reputation, you know, this summer was always the the make it or break it for him because, and especially as you said, Abby, in the sales department, because we've got a lot of players that are on our books right now that, that probably shouldn't be come the start of next season. You think of Bellerin, you think of Torreira, you think of Leno, Nicholas Pepe, arguably as well, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson, Pablo Marie. You know, we've got to move on all of this surplus and also get money in that we can then reinvest. We don't necessarily have to sell to 
buyer. But when you've got this much talent on you know, available to move on, if you're not getting significant funds in from those sales, so when I say significant, I mean fair prices. You know, if in my money, I'm looking at Leno and Bellerin. We shouldn't really be getting anything less than eight or eight to ten million pounds for those players. Yes, they have one year left on their deal. I'm not expecting 15, 20 million for these guys because of the one year left. And especially in Leno's case, he's barely played, you know, last season. So you're not really going to get too much more than eight to ten million pounds on these guys. But Nicolas Pepe, we should be trying to get a good deal on him, 20 million at least for someone we paid 72 million pounds for, you know, just three years ago. It's that area, Abby, that I have a concern with what you said a second ago, that Edu has the clout and the reputation and the skills to be able to get maximum value from these players. I, I think there's going to be a lot of very disappointed Arsenal fans um, who haven't actually thought of that as well, because um, you're right, we, we, the, there is a line, isn't there, where we can't be selling these players for pennies or even just going, all right, okay, tear up the contract, just go. Mm. Um, and I feel that we're going to have a few more players left with us, um, maybe because we can't get rid of them for, a, you know, a, a respectable fee, but also the squad depth. I mean, we are down to bare bones at the moment. Um, and say for someone like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, if there are no takers or if there's only a taker for, I don't know, 3.5 million, um, mm. is it worth just keeping him uh, around? We know that there is a job to do and he can ugh, plug a hole. I hate saying that. And I hate saying that this season as mm. well, because I, I wasn't really, uh, towards the end of, of the season, I wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to be plugging holes. But... You know, the optimism for that Which side Which kind of targets do you think plug holes, as you put? Because, I mean, I look at Jesus, I look at Tielemans, I look at even Zinchenko. I don't look at them as players that plug holes. I look at Ooh. these players as players that are improving on what we've got. So what? which targets do you think are the, the hole pluggers, which is a horrible phrase now I've said it out loud. Um, but yes, what do you think? So so, so I don't actually think uh, the, the names that we're being linked to, I don't feel that they are hole pluggers. Maybe the... Um, Wait, no, let's not make that a thing. We can't keep saying that. <laughs> Maybe the um, Aaron Hickey one um, yeah. is a little bit... Although I, I, I could almost see him um, as Tierney's protégé, you know, um, the yeah. guy that is going to, in the future, replace him. However, then there's the Zichenko link. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I like the fact that we're not going for too many of these hole pluggers, but I do see a, a few of the players that are already at Arsenal being hole, hole, plugging holes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which is what I like about our transfer business at the moment. We are yeah. being linked. Oh, God, I hate the fact that we're being linked because I'm so yeah. naive and gullible. And I'm like, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> come Imagine in. doing a show awesome every day. <laughs> Imagine having to talk about Jesus every day. Um, <sighs> let's let's jump into the chat box and see what some of you guys are saying in response to this conversation. Uh, Vuk says, it's hard to sell players that all know they want to go and the club doesn't want them. It is a bad combination for trading. Olu says, it doesn't matter how much we pay for him, it's how much he's worth. Max we get for Pepe is around £15 million. Only if we sell him in England are we going to get that much for him. Um, Greg says, let's face it, the players we had just weren't worth a hell of a lot. And, and Ed pointing this out as well. The players we sold in the past two years just weren't very good. So the demand and price was minimal. The crop to sell this summer are marginally better, but there's nobody that are hugely desirable. What do you make of this kind of defence, I suppose? And you were giving reasons a second ago, Owen, uh, similar along these lines for Edu, because... You know, there are some examples where, like the Callum Chambers bit deal in January, I was really critical of that because he could have really helped us in the last six months, especially when Tommy Asu got injured. We let him go for next to nothing when he had six months left on his deal. We've cancelled contracts for numerous players. We ended up paying Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's wages up until the end of this season, despite, you know, the quality that he has. I know that there was issues behind the scenes and I was supportive of the idea of moving him on if we replaced him, which we didn't. But the idea that we've had to pay players off, we've had to force players out, and then in players in like Chambers that could have helped us, you know, we've or Maitland Niles, you know, we've either allowed them to leave on loan or we've allowed them to leave for next to nothing. And and that's the thing that Urdu's got to overcome this summer. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think this is this is the point I was making, which is that the, the European market is is that heavily hit by the pandemic, that that there really isn't that cash floating around. 
um, that there was pre-pandemic. And a lot of these players, the likes of Ainsley Maitland-Niles and and uh, Cedric, say, for example, or Granit Xhaka, whoever, or Leno, Bellerin, that these players who would have fetched sort of decent fees really don't have the opportunity to, to move two clubs within the Premier League. I mean, the, the standard in the Premier League from top to bottom now is absolutely fantastic. And if you go through those sides and look at a player like Ainsley Maitland-Niles and be completely honest with yourself and dissect each individual team from top to bottom, which one does he start for? Which one does he get in for? I'm not really sure he gets into any of them, to be quite frank with you. And that's simply the reason why he isn't going to fetch a fee. And the truth is, is that we have these sort of ideas of how much these players are worth. But the truth is, is that players are only worth as much as people are willing to pay for them. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and I think as well, when we look at players like Liverpool, for example, okay, with Felipe Coutinho, massive fee. And you turn around and look at the rebuild that they have done since selling him and where that money has been distributed throughout that squad too. Fantastic mm. business. 99% of Liverpool fans at that time were fuming the fact that Coutinho was leaving. Gareth Bale with Spurs. Nobody wanted to, well, that didn't really work out well, which is hilarious, but the the, 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 the fact that they fetched that much money, nobody wanted to sell him. You know, you know, when you go through all these teams and all these great bits of business that teams do, it's, it's fine for us turning around and saying like, or get money for these players. But look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles. When he was linked with Wolves, a vast majority of the fan base didn't want him to be sold when that price tag of, what, 20 million, whatever it was, was being yeah, there was after a few games of yeah. form. The same with Joe Willock when he went to Newcastle. And mm. now the situ- situation seems to be wrapped up by all accounts. But Eddie and Nkedia now seems to be signing another deal when the majority of the fan base midway through the season would have wanted to see him leave. And to be honest with you, I think we made a mistake re-signing him to another deal. If I'm being completely honest, no, no, sorry, uh, Eddie and Katia. Eddie and Katia, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, simply for, I think they just use that as a safety net in case they can't get the striker business that they intend to do done mm, so that they're not completely stuck. But my point is, is that you can't expect premium fees for the garbage that you have laying out your backyard. You know, mm. that, that these great bits of business are, that are going to be done. Is people like Joe Willock when people don't want to sell him? Is people like Eddie and Caddy after a good run of form, like Ainsley Maitland-Niles after a good run of form? So sometimes biting the bullet on players that you don't really want to lose, that's where you make the big margins that can help you to reinvest and distribute that throughout your squad to improve. But you can't be expecting to toss aside your trash and get absolutely millions for it. <laughs> I suppose the counter-argument, Abby, in some cases is that when we have sold some players, it's, it's not been for enough for what they're worth. Like, Matteo Genduzzi is obviously a divisive figure. Um, uh, and you see what he's done this season at Marseille, and he's far from a £9 million player, which is what we ended up getting for him. Um, Dinos Mavropanos, you know, we got £3 million for him, and he's looking upwards of £20 million, supposedly, Stuttgart will be demanding for him if he goes in the summer. You know, there's been numerous players. I mean, Lucas Torreira, we bought for £25 million, has had three Man of the, uh, Player of the Month awards for Fiorentina this season in Serie A, and they're not willing to pay €15 million Euros because they know that Arsenal are probably going to accept a lower fee in the end for someone like him. So it's these profiles of players where Arsenal and Edu are allowing some of these players to maybe go for way below what they're actually worth. Yeah, and it's almost like um, we're being tarred with the same culture that's already yeah. passed with that. I mean, that's happened in the past. It's happened in the past, happened in the past, and it's still happening. Um, and I'm just hoping um, that... This is the last season, you know, because um, it's almost like Arsenal are, are a, a bit of a laughing stock when it comes to selling players or making yeah. the mistakes with these other players. I mean, look at Gnabry, you know, um, a, a, another one. I mean, I, I know he wasn't getting regular team and it, it was his choice, but um, yeah. you do look back and go, Arsenal, did you, did you not? No, nothing. <laughs> Did you not have a better deal in place for him, even if he was going to get sold and play Champions League and win all he has done? Um, so hopefully this is the last year for those mistakes to happen. However, with the re-signing of Enquetier, um and maybe some others, um, maybe we're going to see it again next season. You never know. <laughs> mm, maybe. Maybe we will. Uh, I think that what we have looked at with Edu is it's not all been bad, you know. <laughs> 
People talk about the Emmy Martinez deal at the time was awful because of how well he did at Aston Villa. But, you know, we got a very good fee for a player, you know, 18 to 20 million pounds that, let's be real, we've improved on with Aaron Ramsdale, in my opinion, who had a better season last year than Emmy Martinez. You look at Joe Willock, we got 25 million pounds for. I mean, he's not worth that now at Newcastle. You know, he was in those like last six months that he was on loan for sure. But we got a very good deal for him. And now previous like years, when Edu wasn't in charge, you know, Alex Awobi, we got an excellent deal for him. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, we got an excellent deal for him. There are sales that we have made in the not-so-distant past that have got us that money. So to kind of round off this topic, Owen, which players are you looking at this summer that Edu has to try and continue that on? Because as you said earlier, there are going to be some players like Leno, like Bellerin, that are just not going to be possible to get a good sale price for. That's probably not reflective of what they are genuinely worth in the market. But which players do you look at where we can get maximum value from what their market value actually is? It's it's a really, really difficult one. Um, because like I mentioned, the players that you will fetch fees for are the ones that are undesirable for us to, to let go of. And and the truth is as well, I think that just to go back to what you were talking about a second ago, the reason for some of the bad business that we have done, and it's that this new sort of um, philosophy, this new way of operating at Arsenal, whereas once you approach the last two years of your deal, you're going to be offered a contract, and if you don't sign it, you're gone. And this is the part where I would like to see Arsenal do something that the fan base necessarily wouldn't want to do to take away the sentimentality of everything. And I'm just using this as an example. Please, chat box, don't light me up for saying this, but the situation with Bakayo Saka, for instance, at the minute, mm. where he's starting to come to his last two years of his deal. If he doesn't sign a if he doesn't sign a deal this summer or by January at the very, very latest, all our bargain bargaining power goes out the window massively. And this is where things have been to the detriment of Arsenal Football Club in the past, is that I want, I remember, and this is what it meant at the start, by I've taken a step back and let people work. I remember when I was a kid watching the Invincibles, all these players, Henri Lundberg, I couldn't tell you how much money they were on. I couldn't tell you when their contracts ran out. I couldn't tell you anything. I just enjoyed football for what it was. And it was because we had faith in the Arsenal board back at that point to make the best decisions for Arsenal Football Club. Not for the player, not for the fan base who was sentimental, about the players who were pulling on the shirt, but what could drive us forward as a club. And that's what I would like to see Mikel Arteta and Edu do now. A big offer comes in for Emil Smith-Rowe. Do I want him to go and play somewhere else? Absolutely not. But if there's big, big money coming in that is going to propel us as, as a football club, take the money and move on. It's not your job to be sentimental. And that's what I would like to see. But in regards to... I think what we're we, what we're doing now is we're still suffering for... A decade or almost two decades of bad business, which is not signing up players when their um, contracts are getting out, leaving too much uh, power in the players' hands and tailoring too much to players. Like Hector Baller in there was real baddest. Mm. I'm sorry, mate, you're under contract. I don't care where you want to play football. You, you're signed to Arsenal Football Club. We'll come back and we'll decide where we're going to sell you. We will give you the options. Not that you come and dictate things like that to us. So I think that that's where I would like to see Mikel Arteta and Edu sort of stand firm on this summer is bending less to player demands and, and really putting putting Arsenal Football Club first above anything. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it, when Mikel Arteta talks about the culture and accountability and you know these non-negotiables and the players we've since moved on, the players that we're still trying to move on are players that are coming out in the media and saying, I want to go to this place. You know, you think back to Meza Ozil, you think now with Bellerin, you think with Lucas Torreira, he went through something awful, of course, back in 2021, which you can obviously attribute to the reasons why he came out and said certain things. But obviously this summer, again, a year later, he's come out and said, I want to stay in Italy. I want to stay here. And whilst I get that, you can kind of see why Arteta is moving out these certain players that he then wants to build this core group of players that are fully committed to Arsenal and that know what it is to play for Arsenal. And I think that's the way in which we are moving forwards with this. Um, let's get some final reaction from the chat box and then we'll move on to our next topic. I did ask you guys which player you think um, we will sell this summer for the most and how much for. Ed says Pepe for £22 million back to France. King says 20, 22, uh, 20 million Sorry for Pepe. If we are honest, it's not amazing, but okay. Darren Roberts saying even less, £18 million for Pepe. Olivier says £8 million for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, perhaps thinking that Pepe won't actually go anywhere this summer. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't because of the lack of interest. You know, I... I, I 
if no one comes in for him, you can't get rid of him. It's, it's, I'm not going to point fingers at Edu and go, why couldn't you sell Pepe? If there's no one trying to buy a player, there's no one trying to buy a player. It's as simple as that. And that is ultimately, as you said earlier, why so many players have ended up leaving or being moved out purposely because we just can't get rid of them. Um, let's move on to the, the next topic, which I want to discuss, which was uh, the preseason because it's, you know, it's we're getting very, very much closer to it. We're now less than a month away from the first game on the 8th of July against Nuremberg in Germany before we then go away to Florida. We play Everton, Orlando City and Chelsea and then come back for a final Emirates Cup game against Sevilla on the 30th of July, a week before the Premier League starts. And one of the big things about preseason, Avi, is that we get to see some of the youngsters get a chance in the first team. We'll have a, di- a little bit of a discussion on Saliba. Don't worry, we'll come on to the big man. Okay. But I do want to first of all talk about some of the youngsters that you're kind of excited about to see, to, that you think might get an opportunity and then maybe even push themselves into the chance of first team football for next season. Yeah, i got one main guy. And it's because I live in Lincoln and that is Brooke Norton Coffee. Mm. Man, this guy, absolutely uh, it, it really surprised me with what he could do. I didn't realise mm. he was as young as what he was as well, because he's yeah. a beast. He's a beast. Um, mm. Yeah, I um, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think this is why we're not seeing any kind of like movement out of mm. right back and trying to look in for anybody else. I know there's Hickey, but, you know, he, the, the, there's two sides there to Hickey as well. But, yeah, Brooke Norton Coffee, if you've... If you've ever seen what he can do, he's um, number one. He's really strong, really strong. He's got a really good burst of pace. Um, he's really intelligent. His and I would say his uh, defensive and offensive um, intelligence. Um, it, you know, it's the same. He's neither one or the other. Yeah, he likes to move the ball forward. Um, but yeah, I'm really impressed with him. Also, um, Lincoln, they do like to play out from the back a bit. You know, and he seems to be quite comfortable, you know, receiving the ball and playing it out. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Also, Lopez as well. I would um, – I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this young man as well. Yeah, so but book Norton and coffee all the way. Yeah, I, I, I've watched a fair few clips of, of uh, Norton Cuffey this season uh, through Y Scout. And one of the things you notice about playing him is his confidence when on the ball. Like he's just oh, yeah. fearless. He's completely fearless in, in what he does. You see him pop in the central midfield. Like he just drives the ball forwards and he's just happy to get stuck in, take through players. You can just tell when he's playing against League One opposition how much of a level above he already is. And it's those yeah. types of clips and highlights when you recognise a player that's on loan from a Premier League side that's genuinely got a, a potential future at the top level. It's because at that age, they're already they're just doing things that other players in the team they're facing just can't. And he definitely has that. Owen, feel free to, to copy, obviously, what is a very good choice. But is there anyone else as well that you're looking forward to seeing this preseason? Yeah, to be honest with you, Charlie Patino is one that I have really high expectations for. My only worry is that Physically, has he developed enough? I know that we've seen him. Um, was it partially ha- halfway through last season? We've seen Charlie Patino yeah, sort of get, get a couple of games, and, and and he looked a little bit sort of physically off, off it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in preseason again to see if there's been any development physically and and um in, in the manner in which he plays. I think that probably alone is going to be the best option for him maybe championship or so but even then is he physically going to be physically capable of holding himself in a league mm-hmm. like that you know with some of the absolute barbarians that you get down there so there's a few Amari Hutchinson as well as someone that was sort of bench warming towards the end of last season to be honest with you I thought he maybe would have got a run out in some of the games um at the end of last season but I think that I think it's make or break for a few people as well Miguel Aziz is an, is another one as, as well that I, I'm I'm not sure going off his his loan spell whether he's really going to make the cut at Arsenal but again sometimes you see these breakthrough stars in in preseason um and and, and they build a bit of excitement so all I'd say is that we've got an absolute crop of exciting youngsters and unfortunately mm-hmm. only a, a select few of them are going to trickle through into the first team. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be exciting. And this preseason is going to be very telling of which one of those, uh, which few of those uh, are the most likely yeah. to do so. Yeah, I mean, you rarely see one come through every season, you know, and break into the first team. Arsenal have been very lucky that they've had 
several. You know, you think about Saka, you think about Smith Rowe, previously Alex Awobi that came through and then made us upwards of £35 million. You know, we have been very fortunate with some of the players that have come through Arsenal in the last decade or so. But what's coming through right now in this crop of youngsters, there's some real talent, you know, some genuinely top quality players that Arsenal may struggle to keep hold of because the pathway for so many talented players at the same time is just not going to be there because we obviously we've got so many young players already in the first team and we've invested in so much youth with those, you know, six players we signed in 2021, all under the age of 23 at the time or of the age of 23. And now you're looking at, as you said, Abby, really well about the right back position. We've not, we're not going to invest at right back, it seems. Cedric and Tommy Asu will be it. And that Brook Norton Cuffey's being given kind of that opportunity and that pathway being made for him, maybe when Cedric moves on to replace him. But you look at, say, Miguel Aziz and Charlie Patino, you know, we've already got Xhaka and Partey. We're bringing in Tillemans, we hope. Um, El Nenny's got another year on his contract. We've invested in Laconga. There's so much competition for those midfield places that it's hard to see them coming through. Tim Akinola had a really good six, uh, half of a season, you know, and and full season the season before last, and then went on loan to Dundee. Didn't really do, didn't pull up trees from what I heard, you know, wasn't really able to do it there. So you'd think that that career is probably going to peter out. We managed to keep hold of Kayon Edwards from the under-18s, really highly rated striker. He'll probably get promoted to the under-23s next season and take the place of Mika Bireth, who is expected to go on loan next season. But then you've got Balogun coming back and you're thinking, well, if Nketiah is signing a new contract, what on earth is Balogun thinking? I mean, if you were Balogun, Abby, and you saw Nketiah getting a 100 grand a week deal, you'd be pretty miffed after you signed that deal, would you not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I um, I, I really rate Balogun. Um, I, I know, you know, at the beginning of the season when he stepped in, he, he wasn't pulling up trees neither. He wasn't even pulling, pulling up weeds, let alone trees. Um but I, I don't know. I've got I've got a feeling about him, and I think um, again we go down to that physicality um, because I think uh, it's so it's so important for these young guys um, when they are playing against the men um, that you know they can they hold their hold their own. You know whether you're scoring goals or anything like that, you're holding your own. I think Balogun has actually proved that he can at least hold his own out there, um, and I think with a a run of form, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I was Balogun, I'd yeah, I'd be miffed to 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 say the least. Um, however, um, it's I don't see assigning anybody. I see assigning one striker. Mm. Okay, I see assigning a Gabby, uh, 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 Jesus, um, and then a wide forward. Um, so that leaves Enketier. Um, uh, so I do think that the pathway is still there for him. Give him um, a year out on loan. Yeah. Um, a full year, proving himself once again. Um, and you never know, he could come in and uh, try and take that in KCA spot, um, which I fully expect him to want yeah. to do as well. Well, the club were desperate to keep hold of Balogun, whether or not it was, you know, to, yeah. to keep the value maybe, it seems now with the Eddie and Ketty situation, but they put him on a 40 grand per week contract, you know, for, for a guy that's not playing week in, week out, that, that that's starting money, you know, for even for a Premier League side. So, You'd think that they would try to get him a loan, if it is a loan, to another Premier League team next season. I was having a chat with a, a Forest fan yesterday and they said they've been linked to him, but they don't actually want him. They don't think that he's shown enough at Middlesbrough last season that he can come in and, and be that player for them in the Premier League next season. And if that's kind of the bottom-ranked Premier League team and the feeling around that club is that he's not yet ready, perhaps he does need to go to another promising championship club. Like mm. uh, someone mentioned Luton, who were doing quite well, obviously, last year. They got into the playoffs as well. Maybe they're a team that you could look towards um, there's several teams obviously the championship's filled with former Premier League sides maybe he goes to a Norwich next season plays with Timo Pukki and learns from someone like him would that be a good move it's it's going to be intriguing what happens go on Abby sorry yeah yeah I think um, I think a little bit like in Kessie uh, some, a consistent run of uh, games for any mm. striker um, is going to be worth its weight in gold and um, and and that's what he needs um, the, the, that main man situation when he's done it for the under 23s he's absolutely shone um, so yeah I, I don't see that there'll be any difference in a lower league team just that consistency because I, I think he's got the intelligence uh, and he's got the nouts about him to put it away um, you know power and all of that but Let's not forget, I mean, these guys are young. I mean, if you told me when I was 21 that I was moving to the other end of the country to make it my own against yeah. all of these other, like, fantastic people and all of that, you know, mm. it's overwhelming. So, yeah, we've got to give him his due first. But next season, 
want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into the chat and see what uh, people you guys uh, are wanting to see in the team. Weedy says that he's looking forward to Wreckage, who's already the next Saliba. Uh, ML Reaction says, I'm looking forward to seeing Saliba and Amari Hutchinson. Uh, Girish says, uh, Edu has to find the good loan for younger players in the championship, like Patino Hutchinson, Aziz Flores, who, of course, we've not mentioned yet, Alibiosu, who spent time with Crew last year, didn't necessarily kick on from what was an impressive time with the under-23s, and that kind of shows you the difference of going from the under-23s to uh, a genuine senior-level competition in, in League One or or the championship. He wasn't able to do it. Flores is a really interesting one, of course, already a Mexican international. Um, he's not going away with the Mexican under-20s this summer for the World Cup. He's going to stay with Arsenal for pre-season to try and work his way into that squad. So the ambition from someone like that is is really strong. Uh, Ranta says, Mika Biref looks really promising, a six-foot-plus striker. We don't really have those at Arsenal, so perhaps there is an opening for someone like him. Uh, Stephen, though, saying wasn't Balogun played out of position. He was played slightly off the middle. He was played slightly, sorry, played slightly off the left-hand side and you know there was a number of strikers that were brought in by Middlesbrough and Chris Wilder during the January window if he does get more opportunities you would think it would be more of a number nine position and Arsenal would want to make sure that they've got that assurance that he would get that time but for a championship club to take on a player and on loan and say you're going to be the number nine for us as we try and push for promotion is a tough environment to find to get those assurances as Eddie and Ketia found out at Leeds when, of course, he went there. Um, let's go on to the kind of the primary talk of preseason, uh, Owen, which, of course, is William Saliba. Um, did his words comfort you when he spoke about his future, or did you feel like they were still leaving the door open to, to not necessarily 100% assured that he'll stay at Arsenal? I put out a tweet directly after his, his interview. Um, I think it was word for word. It was like, um, to be honest with you, I don't really care what William Saliba has to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't care whatsoever until he pulls on the Arsenal shirt and goes out and earns our respect. Anything mm. he says is just words at this point. You know, I've never seen a player, and this isn't anything against him. You know, very tricky. Doesn't situation. sound like it. No, 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 it's, not, it it's less frustration with him and more frustration with uh, the the English media and, and our fan base as well, mm. is that I've never seen a player lorded over so much before he's even competitively kicked a ball for Arsenal. You know, like, I'm saying, like, oh, the, you know, the classic transfer window thing of Arsenal's potential 11 next season. Mm. Ben White's nowhere near. Ben White's been fantastic since he's come in. Yeah. You know, he's been overlooked massively. And I know that uh, William Silva has got himself into the team of the year in, in France and and he's in the French national side now and he's breaking through. But there's always a statistical drop-off when players are imported into the Premier League. Mm -hmm. You know, you look up like look at Rafa Varane has come in, how well he did in the Liga. Shogra Mustafi had brilliant stats in La Liga before he came <laughs> yes, to the he Premier did, League. Indeed, yeah. The transition is massive. So for me, he's a very young lad, has gone through an extremely difficult time, which is I think part of the reason why we've seen some of the stupidity in the media when he's been interviewed and stuff like that, that he's uh, spoken out of terms at times. But look, I'm really excited. He's got a massive ceiling. I don't entertain this whole let's change the system to slide three yeah. at the back in. It's not for me. Competition is brilliant. Bet him in. That's the beautiful thing about being back in Europe and having European football and, and cup competitions to, to run at. He will get played. M my only worry is that Will he have uh, been in a position to strong arm the club to play him more than he earns himself because we want to give him a contract and get that yeah. extension before? So, because I think under normal circumstances, he would come in, he would be bedded in through those European games and cup games, and then eventually, hopefully, by the end of the season, he would have been playing them games. But my worry is now is that he will be getting in due to how strong his standing point is, less so than the merit that he earns himself. Um, so that's my only concern with, with William Saliba's situation. But don't get me wrong, he looks brilliant. I really want him to do well because it would be for the betterment of Arsenal. But I think all this fuss has been completely unnecessary. No, I think fair play for to put yourself out there with it because you, I see so much fear about any criticism towards him because he's got such a cult following in the Arsenal fan base. There's such a desire and want to see him play, which you can understand. You know, he's a very exciting young player and we paid a lot of money for him and he's not yet been given a chance because, and I agree with Arteta, he wasn't ready. You know, he wasn't ready for those chances in the Premier League. He hadn't really played because of the, the, the pandemic curtailing league. He got several injuries in that season with Sanzetti as well 
and he was deemed not yet ready. They should have registered him. I'm not going to say that. If you weren't going to send him out on loan in 2020, we definitely should have registered him. That was a mistake. But, you know, we've in the last 18 months, we've given him two loans that have completely transformed him as a player or improved him as a player. And that's what's earned him that position in the French national side because he's been playing week in, week out. Don't get me wrong. Everything that he's done is on him. You know, he's mm-hmm. had to put in those performances. But the opportunity was there and handed to him because Arsenal have made the decision to send him out on loan where he wouldn't have got those opportunities if he was at Arsenal because he was not yet deemed ready. And, yeah, I, you know, I still said we had Mustafi, we had Holding and we were deciding not to play Saliba. At the same time, I've seen mistakes from him in France that, you know, aren't really picked up on because we wanted to succeed so badly that had he have made them for Arsenal, they may have got wiped under the carpet in the same way that they wouldn't have been for someone like Mustafi. So I'm glad that he got the 18 months that he has. Hopefully it pays off for us. Hopefully we can get a new contract for him and we see him get into the team next season. I mean, Abby, do you agree with with what Owen said there? Are you excited, obviously, to see what Saliba can bring to the team? And how long do you think it might take him before he gets those opportunities? And also how important is pre-season for him? Well, listen, don't tell anybody, but I'm a bit of a Ben White fan. (laughs) Okay, so uh, now, of course, uh, the wrong wrong place to tell people that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm I'm excited for him. And, um, Mm. you know, I I feel like it was um, an inspired move. By Arteta because he was he wasn't going to get the game time this season. Like you, you know, I mean, there there have been a, a first team, and then there has been the step ins that have helped us out. There has been a, a couple of rotations, but that that's not Arteta's deal, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Do I think it's going to? I think it's going to be a big step up for him. Um, I mm. think that the Premier League is a hell of a lot different um, to Liga and um, uh, there might be a little bit of a culture shock. What I'm really hoping is we're not going to be held to ransom with him. It's um, if, he, if he doesn't want to sign, like we said, if you don't want to sign this, this, this coming season, um, then do you know what? Let's, let, let's make it. Let, let, let's make a bit mm. of dollar on him. And let's hope that, you know, people aren't crying a river over it. Because oh, I'm, they will. <laughs> oh, no, they will. I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous just with the thought of going on Twitter if that ever happens. I think I might mm. have to go and hide for a few yeah. days. Um, but I think there's, you know, I, I, everybody is replaceable. Okay. Uh, we might not be able to replace them, <laughs> but everybody is replaceable. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, it happens. You know, we, we, we have to get, um, we'll, we'll just get a replacement in. That's Jesus. That's if Arsenal could get a replacement in. But I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Um, just, uh, yeah, hope it all works out for the best for everybody. Can, yeah. can, I, clean, can I clean this oh, no, up yeah, before, before? By the way, I don't hate William Saliba. (laughs) 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 No, I actually really, really like him as a player. I was super excited when he came. But the one thing I will say is that, like we've said there, obviously everybody knows to an extent the situation that William Saliba went through shortly after arriving on a personal basis. Um, Mikel Arteta was somebody who came in under heavy scrutiny from the beginning. How brave. And look, I'm no, I'm no, yeah. I'm no Arteta sympathizer by any stretch of the imagination. Trust me, he really isn't. I can uh, back him up on that. that <laughs> but I'm trying to put myself in that position. When you look at the centre backs, like people have mentioned, Mustafi, David Luis, Socrates, and you have made the brave decision of sending somebody like that exciting of a prospect mm. away on a loan, potentially to protect him personally from. Because yeah. if one thing that we all know. Uh, Players have left the Premier League due to the scrutiny of English media. It's mm. been insane. That's why Luis Suarez left because of the scrutiny of the of, of the English media. And if you, it's it's fine saying, oh, but we could have played him over. And Mustafi makes mistakes. If a kid that young, that fresh, had have made a big high profile mistake in a big game, he would have been absolutely destroyed. And I know sometimes it can be hard for players to hear that that you're being moved out of the way. That he was maybe looking forward to making a name for himself at Arsenal, but. Who knows, in two or three months' time after some brilliant performances, maybe even William Saliba will be turning around and thanking Mikel Arteta for that decision because sometimes the right decisions aren't the easy ones. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Bro Pro says, look at Fafana being protected uh, at the back three, maybe to ease Saliba in. This idea of changing the structure for Saliba, I just don't buy into. 
One, because, you know, it, the defence wasn't really our issue last season, as we know. It was scoring goals and winning games through scoring goals and also coming back from after conceding. That was one of our big, big problems last year. We kept more clean sheets than we have done since 2017-18 uh, with 13 clean sheets in the league last season. So it, it isn't about changing the structure to, to bed in this guy. We need to continue on with what we have. We need to improve the attack and better player like Saliba in by bringing him off the bench, by giving him cup competition games, by giving him Europa League starts, by if someone gets injured, then he comes in. But he doesn't take Ben White or Gabriel's spot from the start of next season. He's he's not he's not proven enough to do that. He's got a French international cap or two now, which is great. You know, he's earned those because of what he's done in France. But as Abby and Owen have said, the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. It's completely different and the expectation is different. You're going up against attackers in Liga, you know, you're going up against teams like Lyon, PSG, Marseille, Monaco. And then when you move away from those teams, the attacker and the quality of those attackers drops off significantly. And whilst, yes, the, the quality in, in, compared to Manchester City and Liverpool drops off when you don't play them, the level of the quality of the players of the other teams are still significantly more competitive than what you will find in France. There's no disrespect to that league. It is just the reality of the situation that Saliba will be coming up against much better players week in, week out in the Premier League. And whilst he may have avoided scrutiny, as you say, Owen, for 18 months, my goodness, if he comes in the first time he makes a mistake, it is going to be overly criticised. It is going to be focused on not only because he's a young player, but because he's an Arsenal player. And Arsenal players are always, always targeted. You look at what happened to Ben White after the Brentford game. First game for Arsenal, made a bit of an error regarding that throwing goal that we conceded. And Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher tore him apart absolutely tore him apart. And he showed them up for the rest of the season because he had a very strong season for the rest of the campaign. But as soon as Saliba makes a mistake, you can be guaranteeing that it will it will take seconds for people to jump on that guy's back. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him hopefully being given an opportunity as early as possible, being brought in, being embedded in, given an opportunity to compete and let's see what happens with him in the end. Um, to round off the show, I just want to ask one or two more questions about how preseason and the transfer window link together, because obviously the last preseason game is on the 30th of July against Sevilla in the Emirates Cup. And Abby, is that for you a a fair deadline for the majority of Arsenal's business to be done? That last preseason game, a week before the Premier League starts, or is that too late? Does it need to be earlier? Does it need to be before the American tour, which I think we leave for on something like uh, mid-June, uh, sorry, mid-July. I think it is somewhere around the 10th or 12th of July that we leave for that. So when is a fair deadline for the prime, I'm not saying all of our business, because, you know, that's just not realistic for a transfer window, but the primary deals for the likes of Jesus, Tielemans, possibly Zinchenko, or maybe a wide forward, when is the deadline fair for you? Okay, so we so that's like, oh, so that's what, six weeks-ish? You know, mm-hmm. you know, ish, yeah. Is that a fair deadline to get the profile of pe- people that we're wanting? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fair. It's six weeks, you know. Yeah. I mean, I could do a lot in six weeks. You know, why can't they sign a couple <laughs> of high-profile world-class players? Jesus Christ. Um, uh, yeah, it's fair. It's, it, it's fair. It's not, um, uh, I don't know, in our Arsenal terms, it's not realistic. Okay, so it, it, it's fair from the opening of, of the deadline. It wasn't mm. fair last week when they were putting Tielemans in an Arsenal shirt on Twitter, though. It wasn't yeah, fair yeah. when they'd been putting Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus in an Arsenal T-shirt. I'm naive and colourful. I'd leave these things. You know what I mean? I yeah. thought they were done and dusted. But, <laughs> yeah, it's fair, but it ain't realistic. I can't see it happening. Oh, and do you agree? Do you think that before the American tour, let's say, which I think the first game is on the 16th of July, obviously we'll leave uh, a fair few days before <laughs> that, is trying to get in Jesus and Tillemans, who are our priority targets. There's no there's no rumours about that. That is facts. So they are the two priority targets for us. Should we have those two done to have this being a successful start to the window by that American tour? Absolutely. 100%. There's absolutely no excuse why the both of them, which you've stated, are quite easily to see our number one targets you know mm. if man's see this this is where i will get sort of nitpicky with arsenal and edu and arteta in, in particular if they're haggling over four and five million here and there well guess what that's your own shortcomings that's the the, mm. the fact that we missed out on top four is the reason that you're haggling over these small amounts of money you know that that Say, for example, Gabriel Jesus, we may have to pay him an extra 
10, 15, 20 grand a week simply because he's taken a step down to the Europa League from Champions League football and the same for Yuri Tielemans. Um, I think the Jesus thing, the, the the fact that there's a relationship with Jesus and Edu and, and Jesus and Arteta um, is going to be big in that move. I just hope that we don't spend our time nitpicking over can we not give you this amount of money for per week? Man City, can we give you this amount instead of this amount? And we let other people start to come into the race because that's when trouble starts. Yeah. You know, there's already reports of Real Madrid, which I'll be quite frank, I don't see as a sensible move for Jesus, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With Spurs, Chelsea, there's a lot of moving dominoes that need to fall for those teams to become suitable for Gabriel Jesus. So, if I'm sitting in the driving seat at Arsenal at the minute, I just turn around and pay what fees need to be paid to get these deals done. And also, I think as well, whilst you do have to be aggressive, whilst you do have to um, be decisive, give the player deadlines. You know, it's fine. Yes, you're on holiday. It's 2022, man. There's computers everywhere. You can do every single thing you need yeah. to do on a phone nowadays. There's no excuse for no contacts or decisions being made or this or that. Give the player a deadline. Tell him when his decision needs to be made. And guess what? If he doesn't make the decision, fine. We'll move on to option B, C, D, whatever. Yeah. We can't have a Vlaovic situation again. Sorry, Abby. Go on. Uh, no. So, uh, um, what, what is worrying me a little bit is this with the Jesus thing is it's been really out there for a long time. Um, and I swear to God, it's normally really out there for a lot of strikers that we are always potentially signing, but we never do. Hello, Benzema. But I, I mean, I could list them all. Um, and another thing I, I heard interestingly today was um, he's not told Man City that he's not signing. Mm. Um, he might want to play as a centre forward. Um, however, and, and Haaland is coming into Man City. Um, could he re- could he resign with them um, and still just play out on the wing? Because you know, is he that? You know, does he does he I, really I feel like he? Leave? I feel like he will move. Um, I, I don't feel like there's uh, there's much of a chance of him staying. To be honest, um, because it's not only Haaland, of course, it's Julian Alvarez as well that that, that City have bought from oh, Argentina. Yeah. Um, so. And the thing is, is that there's a lot of discrepancy about what his favoured position is. You know, some people say, speaking to him and speaking to people close with him, that it is the wide position. It's not number nine. But I think what's important to him is playing. You know, City has not really been given a 38-game season or even a 30-game season. You know, it's been a 22 to 25-game season. Uh, And then, you know, substitute appearances. He wants to be a star of a club. And at Spurs, he won't be because you've got Kane and Son and Kulisevsky that are their front three. At Chelsea, if they move on Lukaku, then possibly. But you've still got Havertz and Werner and Mount and, and Ziyech and Pulisic. And if they move them on, then maybe. But Arsenal was the ready-made moment. You know, you can come into this club. The fans will love you for it. Well, most of them. Uh, and, uh, there's always a, a funny few. But uh, it will be... It will work for, for him at Arsenal. I think he, he just fits like a glove, as Clive from the Arsenal vision says. Yeah. So for me, the, the the problem with the deadline is that Edu shot himself in the foot before the, the window even opened because he went on ESPN Brazil and said, we've got a plan. And as soon as you do that, Edu, <laughs> you give the Arsenal fans a target. And if you've got a plan, as he says, you need to execute it. Not penny pinching, as Owen said, over five odd million quid. You got to, you got to go to the Cronkers and you got to get on your knees and you got to beg for that investment. You know the extra five million pounds to get this deal over the line. If it isn't going to work, if Gabriel Jesus doesn't want to come, if he wants to go Champions League, which I would respect him for, I can't you know I can't criticize him for wanting Champions League football because I hope he joins Arsenal wanting to get Arsenal into the Champions League. Then we move on to the next target. We move on to Skamaka. We move on and pay more for Tammy Abraham. We do whatever we need to do to get in a quality forward in the summer. The, What encourages me is that clearly we are going to get a striker, or at least 99.9% of me believes we're going to get a striker. And it's going to be more than Eddie and Kessia that it's going to be the striker for next season. So if it isn't Jesus, you know, I'm very hopeful that there will be another very good alternative to him. It's just after the international break finishes, you know, my patience starts to run out, you know, because that's the period then where the players have finished their, their duties. They're off on holiday, which they can still communicate whilst on holiday but you can still get deals done. My expectation is that Jesus and Tielemans, if there are primary targets, should be in the club, to be honest, before that first preseason game against Nuremberg on the 8th of July. It really should be that done and dusted by that point because 
the you would have had at least two to three weeks without any international football going on. It's fully over. Next season started. Pre-season starting at the end of June, to my understanding. So it should be done by then. But that's going to be the test for Edu, which kind of brings us to full circle to where we started off today's show about whether or not we'll succeed. And that's the question where we finish. A simple yes or no answer. Owen, will Edu pass this transfer window test? That can't be a yes or no answer. Jesus. It's a yes or no answer. Uh, yes, I'll be optimistic because I never am. And and being pessimistic hasn't worked for me yet. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to deviate slightly and use the options from the poll at the start of the show, which was yes, but won't be able to do the sales that we need. Or yes, we will get sales and buyers both done. The first one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd probably lean with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Abby. Do you know what, Tom? I, I, I was optimistic about the Tottenham result, and we won. I was optimistic about Arteta, Arteta and I, you know, I think he's had a good season. So I'm going to be optimistic about this. I'm going to say yes. He'll kick out the dead wood, and he'll bring in some fresh oak, more maple tables, and we'll all love it. <laughs> I, I love the enthusiasm, but I, I don't know if it's going to be the case. I just, I just, I'm so confused about what to expect from this window. And, you know, I'm so confused by Arsenal. I hope that we see the business done. You know, we've really done well to lay the groundwork. We got, you know, the discussions with the players in early. Jesus has been in negotiations since October. Tillemans has been spoken about easily since January, probably before. It was always going to have to wait until the end of the season to be, see what competition we were in as to what would determine how we would approach these transfers. I imagine if we'd have finished top four, maybe these would have been wrapped up by now. But because we didn't, it's added a little extra complication onto both deals because both players certainly would have wanted Champions League football. So that maybe is what has extended this, um, which I can accept, but I can't accept them not being done by, you know, the end of probably this month, start of next month, and certainly before the first preseason game. Um, I'd like to thank my two fantastic guests, Chatbox, if you could show them some love. They've been absolutely brilliant. Owen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell people where they can find you. And of course, what podcasts you hopefully will be up to very soon. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, cheers for having us on, buddy. It's been way too long. Um, you can find me there at Owen Young AFC on Twitter, dodgy spelling on Owen, of course. Um, and and I think we actually might be doing a podcast on Monday evening. Right. But listen, let me say this here. It's obviously at the Gunners podcast. You can find us on Twitter there as well. Obviously, we have talked about doing podcasts at least three times a week for the past three months and we haven't done one yet so just keep an eye on our twitter page and we'll, we'll let you know it's a really good show if you aren't checking out mike's a great guy make sure you do go and sort out uh, gunas versus cancer if you haven't already donated it's a great great cause and you get yourself some great prizes if you get involved with it um so just gunasvcancer.com i believe that's the right website there's no verses it's just v gunasvcancer yeah uh, Make sure you go and check it out. Abby, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to speak to you again. Uh, it's been too long. I love your positivity and your enthusiasm, especially about now Brook Norton Coffee, of course, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Tell people where they can find you if you would like uh, and what you're going to be up to regarding any possible podcast. Maybe you want to get into it more. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So, um, I, well, I'm on Twitter somewhere. Um, I just, um, yeah, I, I'm a nice person on Twitter. I, I don't give anybody any crap. So I'm really probably not even that interesting. Um, I don't even know what my name is on Twitter, actually. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. But, yeah, do you want me to there come on to a, a podcast and be positive about stuff? Apparently, that's who I am. Yeah, and everybody says so. So thanks for having me. <laughs> No, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm just going to try and leave your at by your name. There you go. It's right there. If you want to go and follow Abby, Ow! it's at Abs the Right Way, which, to be honest, <laughs> oh is God. one of the most inventive Twitter handles we've seen. So uh, there you go. You don't have to accept all the follows, though, Abby. You can just block them if you don't like them. <laughs> Twitter works. We will oh, see you guys. I can't believe that's my handle. <laughs> Why? Is that what you were embarrassed? I thought that's a great handle. That's... Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I love the inventiveness of using Ian Wright's name in there. I think it works. As someone, uh, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd be teaching high vocabulary and, you know, I'm using your imagination and I can appreciate that. So uh, <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> if you have enjoyed today's show, and even if you haven't, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. I'll be live again for the fourth time today uh, at 8 p.m. over on the Highbury squad with Sophie doing her summer series. So make sure you tune in for that. If you want to go and check out our 8 a.m. show from this morning, please do. And of course, the 10 a.m. show over on the Arsenal way. 
day. Other than that, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Right and early doing more transfer updates. So I look forward to joining you for that. Uh, thank you for joining us and we will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.